there we go. And, uh, of course, as everybody can see, we are speaking to uh, the one and only singer for Jack Russell's Great White, Jack Russell, and former, well, not former manager, uh, he, he, we're still a manager in spirit, the one and only Alan Niven. Uh, good day, folks. How are you? Great. I'm great. How's it How are you, Alan? Alive and breathing, which is an <laughs> achievement these days, isn't it, Jack? Yes, it definitely is, I must admit. I must admit. But you're looking well. Well, thank you. And you're looking better than the last time I saw you. <laughs> Obviously, Colorado is beginning to agree with you. Yeah, you know, uh, I actually like it up here. I didn't think I would. It took a while to adjust, you know, but uh, now that I'm adjusted, I really start to like it. Are, are you no longer on a boat in South Bay? No, no, I'm not, actually. I'm living up in uh, Golden, Colorado, which is where they make Coors, so I don't drink, so I'm glad I don't because I wouldn't drink that stuff anyway. <laughs> oh, that's great. So that's, that's good to know, then, that you're, uh, that you're uh, on land. How, how is that adjustment for you, not being on a boat? It's, uh, it, like I said, it was difficult. I mean, at first, it took a while to uh, come to terms with living on land, but you know there are uh, there are its uh, good qualities, and uh, I'm adjusting to them rather nicely. Well, I have to say, as a person who's always lived on land, I quite appreciate the uh, having that. Um, let's get let's get into uh, what's going on here first on the road, and then we'll get into this uh, into this album. You've been out on the road, and of course, uh, this COVID stuff is 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 sort of becoming the headline. How has the experience been for you right now? Do you feel safe? Do you think you're going to have to pull the plug? Is it exaggerated? Is it, how is it for you? You know, um, just from my personal experience, right. um, I'm, we're very, very safe. You know, we take all the precautions you could take. I've been vaccinated three times, not twice, but three times because okay. You know, I have uh, other conditions, underlying conditions that allow me to take an extra vaccine. Um, the rest of my guys are all vaccinated. And that came down to saying, you know, this is what you need to do to be in the band and be on the road with us. Um, everybody wears their mask. Everybody does what they're supposed to do. We don't have meet and greets. Um, you know, it's just it's challenging. But, uh, you know, I think it's important that people realize this is a serious virus. It's not a joke. It's not a a man-made conspiracy. It's not something the government's trying to pull over our eyes or, or something, you know, and the vaccine's not something to squirt into it so they can track us. Right. I mean, hell, they got our cell phones. They could do that already, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, it's, uh, it's a serious thing. And I don't see it going anywhere quickly because there's too many people that won't get the vaccination, you know, and, and, and that's up to them. I mean, granted, it's whatever you want to put in your own body is up to you. But, you know, I'm, I'm very strong proponent of it. And, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I think that it's going to be sooner than, well, later than sooner that this is all going to get better on track because I think it's going to come back again in a huge wave when the cold flu season comes back. I think you're going to see a lot more, um, a lot more cases. And I think they're going to shut down rock and roll again. Yeah, you know, I've... Uh... I've spoken to a few uh, people that are in the promotions field, and I'm, I'll leave it at that. But uh, their their sense is that by October it gets shut down tight, and I'm kind of curious how that's going to work when we start talking about professional sports with the hockey and the basketball. And 
And I think I think the schools are going to fuel it. I think, uh, you know, having 30 kids stuck in a classroom with no mask for for most places is going to be uh, a clusterfuck. I mean, sure. And, you know, I think it's important, too, because but, the kids aren't getting a great education homeschooling. They're just no. not. It's not the same as getting taught by a teacher. Let's face it, your mom and dad aren't going to take the time as a teacher would take, you know, eight hours a day, whatever it is, the curriculum uh, to sit there and teach these kids. You know, they're going to have a couple hours at home and and here, do your homework. And that's going to be about it. I mean, I'm judging just by my own family, you know, my my nieces and, and to see how they're reacting towards it. And they're all getting dumbed down, you know. Yeah, and they're losing the the social interaction. But uh, let's focus on uh, on this uh, album now, uh, Alan. When you when the band first put out an album in '98, the the first tribute, were you involved in that? Was that your decision? No, absolutely not. Um, and before we move into uh, yeah, Jack's creativity, and he's he's got more than a record going on. He's he's working on a book. And, there's a movie coming out, but before we get into that, okay. I just wanted to quickly mention that a week ago, Jack and I lost uh, a good friend of ours. Uh, it wasn't COVID, but it's a mortality, and I think both Jack and I are, are still hurting from his passing. And people should just be a little bit more careful and considerate when they go out there. Wear a mask. It's not to stop you breathing in other people's stuff. It's to stop people breathing their shit on other people. It's a consideration. You know, just be considerate. Life is not eternal, and people pass and go, and it hurts when they do. So just be cool. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And, and in, up here in Canada, it's, it's been a, a bit different. It's not really the same debate. We're not really having that kind of um, discussion. Folks seem to be just going about it that way. But anyway... Yeah. Anyway, as far as Led Zeppelin goes, um, I'm a bit of a minimalist. Right. And I can say this, but I think Jack more than made the point about Led Zeppelin. Um, on February the 2nd, 1988, um, when he was filmed doing a rather exceptional version of Since I've Been Loving You, and then uh, later on, um, with Babe, I'm going to leave you on MTV. I mean, for me, that is case closed, job done. Don't ever have to sing another Zeppelin song. But Jack likes his Zeppelin. He does, and and it's funny because the um, the only time I got to see the Great White Babe, I'm going to leave you on MTV unplugged was on a giant laser disc because I had a laser disc machine, and you know we didn't get to see MTV unplugged Great White up in Canada. Never did. Still, still has never shown up here. So I, I got this laser disc and I went, oh my God, look at that. They're doing this. And I looked for years to try to find that on a CD. Never could find it. So it's sort of the one song I never got to own, that one performance. Which Well, we did put it on a CD. And, eventually, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and this will probably screw with you. But I'll tell you, the better performance was without an audience, just doing sound check. Sound check. Yeah. yeah, the sound check, yeah. The sound check was stunning i mean the performance itself with the audience was great but the one before that was the whole room stopped everybody stopped what they were doing the air stopped moving and 
every eye was on the band going, oh my fucking God, I don't fucking believe this. It was stunning, absolutely stunning. But, you know, the second best one was pretty fucking good too. Yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you about that MTV performance. Because um, you and I have spoken about it before, Alan. Uh, so let me, let me ask you about that, Jack. What, was that a, a, a fun experience, the whole MTV Unplugged? Or, or was it a bit of a... Of a hard thing to put together. Did they treat you the way they were supposed to treat you? What do you remember of that of that MTV unplugged? I remember it was a really great experience. I remember uh, doing the songs and the audience being there, and you know, just being in the center of this uh, kind of circular room or semicircular. Um, and it was uh, amazing to have the audience that close. You know, and they could smell you. You know, uh, I remember the one thing though, being backstage where. We, me and Kendall were back there with a, a little cassette player and we're going over the parts going, okay, don't forget this part. And don't forget that part there. When I sing this part, then that part happens. And, and remember, don't forget this part. And when we were just freaking out, cause you know, we weren't sure about all the little subtleties of it, you know? And so we're going back and forth. Right? Okay. Well then you remember this part. And by the time we got out there, I thought, Oh, I thought for sure we were going to fuck it up. I go, what, what, what you have song. to remember, Mitch is that, this was something that was not prepared weeks in advance. Right. The phone call from Canelli at MTV, will you do this, um, was just days before we did it. And the decision to do the, um, uh, the Zeppelin song, to the best of my recollection and knowledge, was taken by Jack and myself as we were driving over in my Jaguar playing the track in the car. So it was rug jam it fast and then go out and do the sound check. So this is not a situation for tappers. This was a situation that either you were big boys and could pull it off, were real players and could pull it off, or you weren't. And that therein, um, we proved something to the people who put Unplugged together that, yeah, fuckers, these, this band in particular can fucking play. Yeah, you could. And uh, yeah, you're absolutely right about that, Alan. Yeah, was absolutely right about that. That's how that came about. I remember that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was uh, anyway. It's something that we we still need to see, and hopefully we'll 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 get a uh, I don't know a release of it at some point so the Canadians can see it. Uh, talk to me about this Led Zeppelin too. Um, what was the point or, or what was the decision in revisiting this and doing a second sort of tribute to the band? Was it because of the whole COVID situation? It was hard to get together and write new songs. Was it just, I love this band and I could, I'll do 10 of these if I can. Um, talk to me about sort of the motivation to say, all right, let's get Robbie, let's get Dan and Dickie and, and Michael and let's, let's go do this. Well, you know, a lot of it was just because I wanted to do it. You know, I mean, I had the time, we had the opportunity uh, as Alan says, you know, I'm, I'm a, I totally live and breathe Zeppelin. <clears throat> I mean, that has always been my favorite band. They always will be um, with uh, Aerosmith being right behind them. But I mean, uh, I love singing Plant. I love, uh, I love that I can sound reasonably close to him. And that's the whole point of doing it. You know what I mean? If, it, if I was just some other singer that couldn't sound like him, I wouldn't even bother. You know, the point is, it, it's just doing that and trying to do it as close as you can. To me, that's the tribute, you know? Um, 
I wanted to do a handful of songs that were different. Yeah, we did a couple that we'd already done before, but you know, I figured we were live in the studio and we wanted to do that a little differently than we did the live version. And some of them stand up to the live version uh, and some of them don't, I'll admit that, you know what I mean? But it's one of those things, you know, you can't always hit a home run, you know, but I'm, I'm still proud of the record and I'm still glad we did it and I'd do it again. Hell, I may do it again, I don't know. <laughs> By the way, a couple of things. I, I'm proud of the record, too, because not only do you thank Eddie Trunk, the guy who has flown the flag of rock and roll for 35 years, you thank Alan Niven, and you thank me. So, <laughs> I'm very proud of that. It's in the booklet. I love that. Um, before we get on to, uh, to to the question on Led Zeppelin, uh, you, you mentioned Aerosmith. Uh, I'm going to ask you this. Uh, maybe, Alan, you can, I can get a reaction from you. They just announced a deal today, this morning, with Universal Music, they are going to reissue their entire catalog from the very first one under UMG. So what do you think of that, having uh, Aerosmith hand over their catalog to UMG from the very first to now? It's kind of stunning. Well, no, it's interesting because I wonder what the thinking was about copyrights. But it's like any, any decision, Mitch. When you're trying to evaluate why somebody's done something, Follow the money. Yep. You know, follow most, the money. Follow the money. Follow the money and see what's going on. Um, you know, and for but me, they had that famous deal with Sony Music for thirty million. They were on CBS Columbia from '73 on, and next year they're all Universal. That's yeah, well, if it were me, and you know me, I'm you know I'm old and I'm <laughs> really growing into being. Um, a grade A curmudgeon. My attitude would be: Don't bother with the Geth and Candy Ass records. Just put out the first records up to Rocks. I mean, those are the ones that excited me when I was a nipper. Yep, D deluxe editions. But all right, Jack, let me ask you about Led Zeppelin because you love the band, and I am going to freely admit that I just don't get the band. I I, I listen to the music, and it irritates me. I mean, and I don't know why. I don't want it to. I'm not trying to be hateful. Uh, but what is it about them that speaks to you? Because that, that's, that, that's ultimately the whole thing about music. It's how it speaks to you. You know, Great White speaks to me, and Tesla speaks to me, and Aerosmith speaks to me. Zeppelin didn't. What was it about Zeppelin where you just went, that's my band? You know, it was Plant's voice and Paige's guitar playing and, and John Paul's, uh, you know, Creative. And all those great spirit covers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, they were just—they—they uh, they spoke to my soul, you know. I mean, for whatever reason that you like a band, I mean, it's—it's it's just the the Plant's voice was first and foremost for me. I mean, the guy could sing the phone book, you know. I mean, he was fantastic. Uh, Jimmy Page on guitar, albeit a little sloppy at times, but you know, he—he he, he was a great producer as well. I mean, the guy could. You know, he was just, he just hey, well, let's, let's differentiate there, Jack. Yeah. Um, it makes me smile because I went to three Led Zeppelin shows when I was a kid and I left midway through the set each time. <laughs> Little Sloppy is being generous. Live, they were a disaster at times. Really? How come? But on the other hand, Jimmy Page was a session player and the studio recordings are magnificent. And if you don't get Zeppelin, Mitch, then 
All I'd say is lock yourself in a room with one album. Because if Zeppelin only ever recorded one album, they fucking nailed it with the first release. And that album is just magnificent. You put that on today, it sounds as big, as powerful, as beautiful, as wonderful as it did when I first heard it back in, what, 1969? Wow. Yeah. I was around then, actually, believe it or not. <laughs> Yeah. No, but I, I, and again, you we we mentioned voice, and I think I like a a a cleaner, more melodic voice because I, I really love what Joe Elliott does. I really love what John Bon Jovi does. Uh, I love what Stephen Piercy does. I, I love what you do, Jack. There was just something about, but and here, you know, you hear Coverdale page, and I get that. I I just don't get Robert Plant, but you know that's. Uh, that's what's what. That's well, like, I mean, you don't have, have any black blues players up in Canada, do you? What, what was that, Jack? Said so not everybody gets the Beatles. You know what I mean? See, so you, you can't really say what's right or wrong with it. Now, now, Jack, Jackie, it's not that. It's just Canada's a little short on black blues players. <laughs> hey, listen, we 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 gave the world honeymoon suite and Brian Adams. What what more do you want from us? Come don't on. don't forget the Killer Doors. That's a great band too. The Killer Dwarves and, and Shania Twain. We gave the world Shania Twain. We can't. We can't deny that. No, but no. I think and, Mutt Lang gave the world Shania Twain. Yeah, and and Def Leppard. Boy, he's and, and he's currently working with Brian Adams. By the way, I'm that that is my most anticipated record. But anyway, no. And I'm not trying to badmouth Led Zeppelin. By the way, I'm just saying that I, it doesn't appeal to me. Uh, I'm glad. No, I mean, and that's that's justified. You know, what I mean, like I said, everybody's got their own opinion. Yeah, about how wrong they are. <laughs> Hey, listen, come on. We all we all have our our, our opinions. Um, let, let me just ask you then about the voice. How important is a voice in a band? Because when I look at the bands that I like, I'm attracted to the voice. When I hear Rat with a, another singer like they did, it's not Rat. When I hear the Great White songs with not with not Jack's voice, it's not Great White. And I don't want to get into a whole debate about whoever. But there's the voice is associated to the music, and for me, I, I just I can't pull that apart. So you're asking the wrong person, Mitch. Uh oh, but he's he's the voice. Oh yeah, I know. So don't don't put him on the spot there. I well, mean, no, but I'm just me, talking about for him. He uh, says that led that that Robert Plant was the voice, and that's what attracted him to him. So so how important is it to have the right voice for the for for a band? Well, it's all about content. It. If you don't have a great song, right. you have musical wallpaper. And to have a great song delivered, you have to have somebody who has the right intelligence and spirit to deliver the content, because that's where we connect. We connect on a rhythm, we connect on a riff. Right. But if you're going to absorb and take in the whole song, your relationship, relationship is going to be primarily with the voice. So you need somebody who can deliver content that touches you. And that is why voices are critical. And that, that was the first thing that appealed to me about Dante Fox was that's a voice. Yeah, and, and listen, I've heard a lot of cover bands do Guns N' Roses songs, and it's the same song, it's Welcome to the Jungle, it's Sweet Child, but it's not that voice. And you just go, sorry, you're a great cover band, but doesn't fly. Um, but for you, uh, Jack, in terms of other bands and Led Zeppelin, 
was that what attracted you to these bands was the voice like when you heard led zeppelin when you heard i don't know cream or or the beatles did you go "Ooh, i like the voice you know more often than not yeah a lot of times it was just a song you know i mean i can't say cream my love for the vocals but i mean you know i thought jack bruce <laughs> was good for good for what he did his lyrics are a bit uh esoteric for me but you know i mean it, it was what it was at the time and i could respect that um but yeah it's always been about the voice you know what i mean and and going back to what you were saying earlier yeah i agree with you a band and not just because i'm a singer but because it's just how my ear works. Right. If, if I hear a band and, you know, with the original singer and I get used to that singer and I love that singer. And then if I hear somebody else singing it, it's not the same. Even if the singer was to do a better job, you know I mean? At it. I say, well, yeah, he sings that better than the original guy. It, it's still, I would go with the original guy just because it sounds like the song that I learned to love. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to disagree with you on that one. <laughs> really? And I'll tell you why I'm going to disagree with you. Go ahead. And I, I think it draws focus to the elemental aspect of a particular voice, is that in my experience, I have found that I have been able to give a song to somebody and say, sing that, and they've sung it better than the original and with more conviction than, than the original. And have been a better gateway to the content of the song through their voice. Right. Um, it's the singer, darling. It is. And, you know, um, we I agree that we do fall in love with the original version. The one guy, for me, that gets away with it is Kelly Hansen in Foreigner. When you hear Kelly sing, you just go, yeah, okay, I love Lou, but that's pretty that's pretty damn good. You're, uh, you're, you're, you're spot on there. Um, Alan at the front mentioned that you had a book and a movie and some other stuff coming out. Uh, talk to me about that. What's the book? Is it, uh, is it, uh, Jack's taco recipes or is it a biography? What, what are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, no, it's not taco recipes. That's for sure. That's too um, bad. <laughs> it's, uh, more about life lessons and, and I don't know, it's, it's, it's just my story of my life, you know, uh, things I've been through and, uh, things other people have been through with me. I mean, I have a lot of people that have, you know, given their opinions for this book, Alan being one of them, um, a lot of stories um, that a lot of times, for example, I just couldn't remember. <laughs> so I had them chime in instead. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's an ex it's going to be an experience. I mean, really, it's going to take you down a musical journey. I think that some people are going to like to go and some people are going to go, why the hell did I go down this? It's pretty scary, you know? Um Writing it yourself uh, or a ghostwriter or a bit of both? I have, I have a, a very, very, very smart ghostwriter. She's a, a wonderful, wonderful lady. And uh, she's Good. done an amazing job so far. And I can't wait to read what she's written. I mean, I've read some of it and she's really, uh, really speaks. Uh, in your voice. Yeah, she really speaks in my voice well. And uh, I don't feel like I'm reading somebody else's thoughts. I feel like I'm reading my own, you know, which is the point. You know, it's just written, it's written more eloquently than I could speak it, put it that way. Harold, I'll ask you this. When you look back on your life from, you know, the bands and the legal and the this and the that and the scene, do you sit here today and say, holy, how did I survive this? This is crazy. Like, are you amazed? Oh, I'm totally amazed. I'm completely amazed that I ever got through this whole thing, you know. Um, 
relatively unscathed, uh, considering how scathed I am. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's been a, a complete uh, a mind scramble to me that I even pulled this off, and I'm still here at 60 years old, still singing, you know, uh, to some degree, you know, um, and and doing it okay, you know. Um, I agree. It's, uh, it's amazing. I can sit here and talk to my friend Alan, you know, after all these years and all the things that we've been through, you know. Yeah. And, and let's be honest, it. there was a time where you weren't talking to him. And, yeah, and I, think, right. I think you both Absolutely regretted right. that. Right. Absolutely I think... right. And that it took a lot, you know, for us to, uh, to get back as friends again. But I think it was actually good for the relationship. I mean, you know, I have a better relationship now I do with him than I ever had before. It's a lot more honest, you know. Amen. And the comment that I would make is that I've known a lot of people in my life, but I would say that Jack has thoroughly lived a life. And what I find beautiful and reassuring and affirming is at the end of the day, he's learned lessons from it and is probably the best version of Jack that I've that I've known in 30 years. He's the best person, I'm, best version of Jack I've known in 30 years, far and away. And I'm delighted. I'm so pleased about that. And I think what's also nice about it all is that after everything is said and done, there is a real friendship there. It's not, oh, he's my manager. I, not, I need to be nice to him. Or, or he's my artist. I need to pat him on the back. Or it's, I'm Alan. I'm Jack. We like each other. And there's nothing else. And that's great. That is just... Yeah. Well, there is yeah, something else. There's a, a lot of extraordinary shared experience. True, but now it's from a perspective of there's nothing, there's no, there's no other agenda behind the experience other than I like this guy, and that's that's yeah, true exactly. Yeah. So, um, Very cool. We have this Led Zeppelin album. Uh, let's see, it's called uh, "Great Zeppelin II: A Tribute to Led Zeppelin." Available now. Where do we go from here in terms of new music? Is is new music something that still interests you? Is it still worth investing time and money in writing songs and demoing? And or is it just like, nah, you know what? I'm just gonna go play rock, you, uh, rock me. I'm just gonna go play the hits. Throw in a few Zep covers. We're good to go. No, you know what? Actually, no. The writing new music still definitely interests me. We're about halfway through uh, with the new album. Um, I just want to make that, I mean, he saw it coming to me was a really, really solid record. And I want to make sure this next one is, at least from my uh, perspective, is, is a better album. Right. And that I'm finding hard to do. You know, I mean, it's like, okay, is this song better than that song? Well, ah, I don't know. Is it at least as good? I don't know. You know, you always want to do better than your last uh, effort. Right. You know? and, and this one I'm finding hard to, uh, to do that. You know, with, with uh, he saw it coming. So, you know, we're still uh, plugging away and we just want to do the best album we can. I, I still think it's it's not quite there yet. So I'm going to wait. And in the meantime, I'm going to, you know, keep doing stuff that I want to do. I mean, there's a lot of songs I want to sing that not particularly the songs that I wrote, just songs that, you know, that I want to sing. And, you know, before I die, I'm going to sing them. You know? I can't wait. I can't wait to hear that. Um do you still have a deal in place with Frontier Records? No, actually, uh, well, I shouldn't say no. I've got a deal with Cleopatra, and then I have a deal with Frontiers also. I'm doing uh, a deal with Tracy Guns and uh, Frontiers 
where they're writing the songs and mm -hmm. me and Tracy are performing them, which is rather interesting because there's songs that I'm kind of going like, hmm, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm not sure if I could really get on board with these or not. Um, but so I'm, I'm finding that to be an interesting prospect. Um, but, you know, it's, it, with Cleopatra, we're getting ready to do the, the new album. So uh, that's, like I said, that's about halfway done. And we'll see what happens. But, you know, it's going to be interesting what happens in the next couple of years. That's for sure. That's for sure. And, and I, again, I don't want to disparage Frontiers, but I find it funny when they have guys like yourself or Jack Blades or and they go, we're going to write the songs for you. Like, ah, uh, OK, but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, most it's... people would hire Jack and Jack and, uh, you know, Jack Blades and Jack Russell to write songs for them, not the other way around. It's kind of it's kind of weird. But hey. yeah, it's it's kind of like you know you sit back and you go, you're gonna offer me what? Really? <laughs> For just to do that? Oh wow, that'd be yeah. stupid if I didn't do that. <laughs> yeah, well they, they 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 do throw out the money, but but sometimes you just wonder, you're like, why why do you have the staff writer from Milan writing songs for for me? He's like, okay, yeah, I they want the publishing. Yeah, I guess they want the publishing and 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 stuff, but it's anyway. It's whatever. It's some of those albums that they put out are great, and other ones you just go, "Ooh, okay." <laughs> you know, what, are, what are you gonna do, uh, Alan? Do you do you see yourself uh, submitting a song or two to Jack and saying, "Hey"? I don't think so. I mean, Jack and Jack can write really well for himself these days. Um, and I'll be blunt, you know, you know me, I'm, yeah, I don't, don't beat about a bush. Um, if I were going to work with Jack, I would bring my own guitar player. <laughs> yeah. Enough said. Where is, yeah. uh, where's Tony Montana on the, uh, on the tribute record? Was, was it a COVID situation or, or is it just time for a change and you brought Dan in? No, you know what it was? It was, uh, Tony's not that adept at keyboards. And Michael uh, Alavari is. So that was the only reason, you know, because originally these were supposed to be live recordings. And we just couldn't get it together uh, on the road to do the live stuff. It was just, it just didn't come together. Um, equipment wise, uh, you know, it was just, it, came, it turned into too big of a hassle. You know, we weren't uh, playing, you know, one place where you had, you know, we didn't have any shows in LA where we could actually. You know, it would have been easy to, to record them. You know, like showing Denver and showing, you know, um, Scottsdale or showing, you know, just that we're playing all over the place. So it just didn't work out. Gotcha. Now, uh, Zoom is telling me I have four minutes left. So I'm going to just ask you this. Uh, Alan has always said that Stage is the best live Great White album. Do you agree? And if so, what makes it so darn good? Um, you know, I think it's, it's, for me, it's a great record. I think the song choices on the great, the performance is spot on. The band was had one of those rare, not rare nights, but I mean, one of those, uh, just one of iconic, those nights, iconic nights, you know what I mean? Where the band was just, uh, playing, you know, the, the all, all the, all the nails were pounded on the head, you know what I mean? And uh, it was just a great, great performance. And I agree sonically. It's amazing. Um, you know, it, Alan put together Anaheim was a, was a moment um, yeah. if I recall it was at the end of a tour it was 
back in California, it was just all the energy was in the right direction. And Anaheim is absolutely a moment. And I kind of thought back in the day that we would just use Anaheim recordings. But then we did this House of Blues performance. And believe it or not, uh, the House of Blues were only just opened at that point. And we were actually the first band to go in there and play blues material, you know, our own original blues material along with rock and roll. And that turned out to be a moment too. So that's why it's so special to me. It's just every performance on there hits. And it's it's for the most part the live album. There's not there's no pro tooling studio magic. You you got what you got because the band was that good those nights. It was extraordinary because when Michael and I got to the mixes, we did no fixes. We we only we mixed exactly what was done on the night. Wow, that that is that is remarkable. Uh, and on that, I will have to uh, shut down because I'm told I have a minute and a half to go. But uh, Jack Russell's Great White, Great Zeppelin Two, a tribute to Led Zeppelin, available now. And as we say here in Montreal, merci beaucoup. Thank you, gentlemen. Hey, thank you, my friend. Good to see you, Alan. Good to see you too. And it was good to see me. No, hello. Okay. Yeah, good to see you as well. <laughs> thank you, gentlemen. We'll do this again. Cheers. Sounds good. All right. Cheers. Bye, all. Bye. Cheers.